Have you heard of Anchor? It's free and it's so easy. If I can figure it out, pretty much anyone can. Create your own podcast from your phone or any device and they will distribute it across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms on your behalf without you having to do a thing. You can also make money without any minimum listenership or any required audience. Anchor is super easy to use, and all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. Start your own podcast today. You're listening to Your Highness Podcast with your host, Diana from Good Vibes Marketing, and my co-host, Leah D'Ambrosio from Bake Smart. Hi, Leah. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, Diana? I'm all right. I'm all right. So we're right on. on. <laughs> we're <laughs> on a roll of keeping things positive in the beginning, and we have picked our favorite discoveries in the industry or, you know, favorite renewed discoveries however you want to say it we just like to pick something that we enjoy or admire in the industry every every episode so would you like to start with yours i would love to so mine is um baked at home they are a company out of new york and it's run by um a woman jenny rg and she she had cancer and it started her on this um this path with cannabis. It's a common story we hear a lot, but she's an amazing woman. She created the um, chocolate brownie mix that I've used before, and it's really great because it's really high protein, low sugar. It's an awesome brownie mix to get, and you just add your own oil. And then she has instructions, too, on, like, so you know what your dosage is going to be, which I think is great. But she also has these amazing CBD oils. She has a coconut oil that you put on your body. She has an olive oil that I've used in foods, and it's great. And then she has a ginger tincture, which is fantastic. So I would definitely um, encourage people to go visit her site, bakedathomecompany.com, because a lot of her um, products you can get anywhere in the U.S. They're all hemp uh, CBD-based and really great, amazing uh, creams. We were at one. We were at the MJ Biz Conference, and somebody had some excruciating back pain, and she rubbed the the uh, cream, the CBD. I think it was the healing salve on him, and literally within minutes, he was like, oh, my God, my back pain's gone. It was so crazy. So then we were all, like, just slathering ourselves in her CBD healing salve. Oh, wow. That's but it awesome. was great. And she's going to no, be on an upcoming episode as well. Uh, we uh, we just recently interviewed her for the podcast. So look forward to that interview because it's very informative. And she is yep. super cool. It's a great company. Yeah, definitely. Um, mine is a company called Canna, Canaclusive. C-A-N-N-A-C-L-U-S-I-V-E. And Canaclusive offers stock photography of minority minority cannabis consumers uh, using the product. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, according to their uh, statement online, it says that they talk about how cannabis has an inclusivity issue and they intend to solve it. They uh, Can Inclusive was created to facilitate fair representation 
representation of minority cannabis consumers, we were inspired by the growing opportunities yet disappointed by the diversity issues taking root in mainstream cannabis culture. And uh, so you can buy photo packs on there. You can follow them on Instagram. And I also love that the founder is a woman, Mary Pryor. Oh, nice. Yeah. And um, it's a really nice website. And I think this is really important. So if if you're an edible company or, you know, a company in this industry that needs stock photography, definitely check them out. Um, and that's Canaclusive, C-A-N-N-A-C-L-U-S-I-V-E dot com. Uh, and those are stock photos, so, like, you can use them for your website? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the whole intent. They want you to use these uh, stock photography with your website, your, your promotional materials, you know, anything that's related that you need this, this type of content for. Speaking of content, <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> segues pretty well into what we're talking about today. Um, so, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's really important to focus on certain aspects of marketing. And uh, content is one of those types of marketing that's so important. So there are some ways to look for content without, you know, sacrificing your voice or your vision as a company. Um, And we're going to talk about the three most important aspects of getting content, whether it be visual, audio, or writing. Yeah, well, that is visual. (laughs) Audio, (laughs) but, you know, uh, video runs under visual as well. So there's there's a lot of types of content out there people don't even consider, um, and we consume so much of it every day. So it's really important to um, nail down what you're trying to do while you're in this industry. Yeah, because content, content is really going to make or break your website, as mm-hmm. we've seen in a lot of different websites. I mean, content is really what's going to drive people to your products from mm-hmm. your homepage. Content is what's going to let people know clearly, like, who you are and what you stand for. And, I mean, content, I don't think people put as much um, importance in content as they should. Right, because as you were saying before we started recording, a lot of people think in this industry that the plant sells itself. But that's an antiquated mentality because a lot of people are getting in this industry right now. There's It's becoming flooded with, you know, edible producers and all kinds of ancillary businesses. So you have to know what sets you apart. And that's our first, um, our first tip is to clearly identify your image. But beyond knowing what you're about, you have to know how you want to present yourself to the world because whoever, that's important. Yeah. Whoever's creating the content for you uh, should be very aware of what, how you see yourself, how you see your brand, whatever services you offer, why do you offer them? Um, What is your goal other than just making more money? Because everybody wants to make more money. So do you want to be a thought leader in the industry? Do you want to be a medical expert who gets interviewed for publications? Um, These are things to think about because your content creator should know all of this before they even get started making anything for you. Right. And like, and also it's really kind of your aesthetic too, because as we were talking about, you know, there's one company out there when you 
go to their homepage. It's kind of Martha Stewart and it's all pretty, but then you go inside and it's more like, Hey dude. And you know, let's get high and kind of more a stoner type mm -hmm. feel vibe to it. And it really just kind of drops the Martha Stewart. That's a conflict because your, your initial face, is not going to attract not who you're attracting on the inside, right? It's you're just really kind of disjointed, and that's why it's really important, I feel, to let your customers know who you are and what you're about. And not that the stoner image is bad. If that's who you are, own it. Right. Be true to that. D don't but your content block. writer, right? Right, because your content writer needs to know that. Because if you're like want to talk in a more casual tone and be dude, yeah, we get hot, then. Your content writer absolutely has to have that same voice. They can't be like, now right. we're going to smoke cannabis. Absolutely. You want it to be. Conflict. That's why your your content creator should be asking you a lot of questions. Because we don't all know everything that we want to present to the world. I mean, there are some people who are very confident in that in that regard. But most of us, there, there are some, some holes to fill in, you know, some spots that we're not really sure about, right? So right. what I do is I start with a client. I say, like, who do you envision your audience being? What is your audience member? What did, what do they like to do for fun? You know, start there and then go backwards kind of and ask yourself why. I mean, some people know exactly why they're in this industry. You know, they had a severe illness or someone in their family had a severe illness and, or a death or something, what have you. And that's why they said, this is it. I see how this plant can change the world and I want to get into this industry, but they haven't thought beyond that. So right. you have to think long-term because this hopefully will be a long-term industry that we'll all thrive in. But you have to say like, well, what exactly does make me different? Do I, do I really have a passion for organic material or do I have a passion for animal safety? You know, like no testing on animals in my products or, you know, mm -hmm. um, and like with you, responsible use is a passion of yours. Mm -hmm. So that funnels a lot of what you're doing with Big Smart, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. And I think that sometimes when you when you're starting out, because I know this happened to me, you don't feel that your story is really that important, but actually your story is the most important thing. When you're talking to investors, you're talking to prospective clients, they want to know your story. They want to know what makes you stand out, and that's what your content writer needs to know so that they can help you make you stand out right um you know just think about just not so much like what you look like all the time you know but also what how you want to be seen um in the bigger sense of the word you know <laughs> right but um but but stay true to yourself and your passion you know like like you were saying earlier if you have more of a casual manner of speaking or you know, you prefer to use colloquialism, then use that. Let your content creator know right. that. So, um, the next one would be don't oversell yourself or product or service, whatever it is that you're offering. Um, and that's something I'm bad about. Like when I'm writing articles or I'm like, you know, even when I'm talking to you and you're doing content, I want to sell my product. And that's a big no-no, I guess. It is. I mean, it's definitely tempting because, I mean, why not, right? You well, want to set yourself no. apart. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, right. so, uh, yeah, I have this product, then what do you want? Or this service. But 
and and the the plus side is about this industry is that there's so many different elements to explore. So say like for instance, you have your canicals, right? So they're supposed to be for mm-hmm. responsible use. So like in, on your website, which is just an excellent example of having a lot of informative, interesting content, um, you have things about women in the industry. You have uh, features about you know, what's going on in the news. And that's very important. You want to have other things that people can get of value on your website, on your social media, because otherwise, Mm -hmm. because we get, we get so much content thrown in our faces all day long. You know, the average person consumes so much content on a daily basis that they have to be picky about it now. It's it. We're in a new industry, and not just this industry, like in the cannabis industry, we're in a new environment as far as the way people consume media and content because of how quickly everything is available now. So people are becoming very right. discerning about what they read and what they see, what they watch, what they listen to. So they only want snippets now too, which is so crazy to me but that's really all people want are just snippets so actually, if they want a snippet you better make sure your snippet has a lot in it well that's actually a misconception a lot of people think that that's what it was five years ago but surprisingly i should say um people are actually consuming long form written content over really yes because they don't feel like the short snippets and things like that are offering them as much value. They still want to see a breakdown, you know, like, you know how you go on a website, a publication, and they'll give you kind of like a, like a recap of a longer article on the side. Right. Right. Uh, Well, people still want that because they want to come back to it and they want to know what they're reading about, but they still would prefer to consume longer form content over something that's more, you know, broken down because they feel like that's another way of trying to sell them something. It's like people are becoming suspicious of that type of content. You know what I mean? No, interesting. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, because I feel like with my nonprofit, um, you know, we're all about animal reiki and it's just like we have a lot of information and people are constantly wanting shorter versions or they don't read it. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating. So I guess there's a balance that needs to be achieved there. Mm-hmm. When to use the shorter content and when to use the longer content. And so if for, for a website, what do you encourage people to do? Like a longer snippet on your website about who you are or a shorter one? Well, I think you should have both. You know, if you, you're, uh, the person you're working with to create the content should be able to help break it down into digestible portions right without it just being Mm -hmm. like an um long running thing so and also the other thing is it helps to break up the the um, text with images videos audio basically a multimedia experience that's what keeps people on a page that's what keeps them glued to a story or whatever it is whatever the right so right yeah (laughs) <laughs> but in that content, we don't want to oversell our product. I, I think, and that's one thing too, our videos on our website, they're all our product. Yeah. And we really need to create new content that isn't necessarily all about our product because all our videos are, they're 
product driven. But you have a lot of other content out there. Uh, I mean, on your website, not out there, but you're out there as well, which is a good thing. You're in a lot of publications, so that that helps. Um, you're doing a lot of bright things. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so the third one, um, this is a very big issue uh, in the content creator space because um, we we hit this we we encounter this all the time. A good content creator is worth every penny spent. Or you should say value. You know, if you're not spending money per se, you're you're trading for something else of value. Make sure that that value is uh, worth that person's time. Um, because there's a lot of work that goes into good content. You know, um, if you're writing content just mm-hmm. for content's sake, that's one thing. You know, which is very frowned upon now because no one cares about it. You know, you don't want to go on someone's website who's a a grower or, you know, um, an edible maker and just see, oh, we're located here. These are our products and that's it. And then just writing things that are basically repeating what you already said and selling your products. Nobody wants to see right. that, you know? They, they might go on your site to buy something, but they're not going to stay on there. They're not going to come back willingly to see what else you put on there because you're not offering them any kind of value. And good content requires a lot of research. It requires a lot of fact-checking, making sure that your grammar is correct. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. And depending on what kind of content it is, it can be very um, time-consuming. So I think that it's well, and also on top of that, I think that the, that the real thing here is you want to pay for a good content creator is because yes, we can all write, but a good content writer writes and lets people really live whatever story it is they're sharing. It, it lets them live that experience. And that's what you want with a product. You want people to come to your site, read about it and think, Oh, wow, I can't leave without getting it. Mm-hmm. And that's, worth a lot of money because the content equals better sales so if you're going to be making money there's no reason you shouldn't be paying your content writer because they're the ones that are helping you to get to that space of making money Mm -hmm. and it's really important to put value on that because yes i mean i'm i'm not a bad writer but i don't like to write Mm -hmm. and so i'm willing to pay for somebody else to write for me and especially someone who's good and has my voice and knows what I want to say and how I want to say it. That's worth a lot of money. But I think that what happens a lot of times, and I'm only, you know, just guessing, is that people think, well, everyone can write. Or if you're writing, what's the big deal? I'm just giving you, a, you know, a, like a subject, and now you're going to write a little something about it. But how they write and what that does, what it translates to, which hopefully is more sales, more money, or, you know, it helps you get appearances wherever you want to be speaking. Those things are important and they have value. They have value to you. So you need to value the person that's actually helping you with that. Right. Um, I mean, it's, it's worth it. Well, I, you know, I, I have, I take issue with people thinking they can do the same thing, which I understand it to an extent, but there's a lot that goes into it. And, my point is that if you're in, in startup mode, you know, or a small business owner, then you don't have time to put in the effort to, to produce quality content. Uh, you might have the time to write one nice piece on your site, or you might 
write an article here or there, but you don't have time to actually manage the the day to day no. of it to no, constantly create things. Not. Um, and so just look at it that way. I mean, this is a job that someone's doing. You wouldn't go to the dentist and tell them, uh, I don't think that that root canal is really worth, you know, $400 or whatever. I'm just going to give you $50. You wouldn't do that. So why would you do that to someone who's trying to make your business flourish? It's it's all about having respect for a skill. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, everybody can write, but to truly write well is a skill. Right. And you're paying for that skill, just like you would if you went to an attorney or anything else. You're paying for a skill. And I think that you have to place value on it. But I, I think that there are people who don't because they think, oh, well. And then plus also there's so many companies out there with Fiverr or Upwork or, you know, people by the hour. Those kind of things make it seem like, oh, well, it's not such a big deal. Right. But if you go pay $5 for content, you're going to get $5, $5 for the content. content. Exactly. And it's, it's not be, going to be quality content. You'd be surprised at what people pick up on. You know, I've had clients, um, you know, cut, potential customers of clients, come, you know, send them messages about just the smallest item in a blog that you think that no one paid attention to. So if you have no one to hold accountable for that, like say – Say you write an article or say I write one for you, Leah, and I and you put it on your site, but I don't do any real research. I just slap it up, you know, just write some content just to, to write it, give it to you. And someone comes along and emails you and says, um, I wrote that article. This is a copy of what I wrote, just loosely changed here and there. And I take issue with this. And then that person decides to start attacking you on social media and all of this. And it, and it snowballs, right? right? That takes yeah, away no, your... That's, that's a good that's a good point too. It's well, that's why you hire somebody that's quality because somebody quality isn't going to plagiarize or, you know, take someone else's um, material and use it as their own, which I think that that's probably a really big concern, mm-hmm. um, especially with people like people by the hour or, or fiber or upwork or something like that. I mean, I feel that content is one of the most important things that is going to help you, mm-hmm. whether it's on your website or in your written material or even when, because for me, having a good content writer, what it does for me is it helps me to think a different way because it's a different opinion. I'm mm-hmm. so close to what I'm doing right. that a lot of times I can't write with a different thought process or a mindset mm-hmm. because I'm way too close to it. So then working with like you, then that helps me go, oh, yeah. And so when I do interviews or something else, I'm a little more expanded mm-hmm. because I have someone else who's helping me with that. Right. And it's like you said, it's just like another employee to your business plan. Mm-hmm. You know, your content writer is just as important as any other employee that you're going to employ. Absolutely. And um, to your point about, you know, finding someone who is quality, you know, just make sure that the person that you're talking to is – interested in what you're doing you know if they have to demonstrate that they get why you're doing what you're doing and that they want to know more they should ask you questions uh they should be able to provide you samples of their work that's not to say (laughs) that they'll write for free for you to show how they work um they might do that but don't assume that right off the bat you know just just Mm -hmm. just do a little bit of research take the time to to check out this person or this agency or whoever you have in control of it. And trust me when I say I understand 
restricted budgets. Um, <laughs> and as an agency, right. you know, we hit this all the time, especially in this industry, because a lot of people are just starting up and, uh, you know, there's just like, they're wearing 10 hats at a time. So my point being, <laughs> I had a point when I started is if you just reach out to them and say, look, I have a limited budget, but I'm thinking maybe I can help your agency out by giving you some visibility through this thing that we offer, or, you know, maybe I can right. connect you with an investor that might be able to fund, you know, anything that you can try to do to sweeten the deal that shows, look, I, I'm not just trying to undervalue what you do, because that's how it comes out across, you know, a lot of people will do right. the whole, well, that's a lot of money, or I don't even have a budget for that. Okay, fine. <laughs> but, but it's part of marketing. It's a huge part of marketing. I mean, Netflix is a huge example of why content marketing is crucial. Um, just like one example, they, they did something just to see if people were paying attention. They changed the uh, cover of a lot of the, um, the videos that they offer, you know, shows and movies, right? They changed the people. Mm -hmm. The, on the actual, you know, you, you go on there, you see the photo snapshot of the thing. Right. And they changed it. They switched it out with actors that weren't in that movie or weren't in that TV show. And that made... Oh, how funny. Uh, yeah, and it was a huge boost in ratings. Like, a huge boost. Uh, I think one of the ones they did it for was, like, Fuller House or something. Because people weren't watching it, or as not, not as many as they wanted to. So they did that, and it worked. Because people were like, wait a minute. You know? People pay attention to these things. That's all part of content marketing. It's not just well. Oh, it's, I wrote it's a you a subtlety, story. right? Mm -hmm. It's it's a subtlety, and and you just. I mean, I think the bottom line is is if you can clearly identify your image, and if you follow, you know, the don't oversell yourself rule, and you find a good content writer, I mean, it really can translate into sales. It can translate into boosting you a lot. Mm -hmm. I feel. I mean, I know that that without the content that we have we would not be hitting as high as we do on Google. Because no. if you Google our name or you Google marking edibles, mm -hmm. we are we are probably, you know, 80% of the first page of Google search. And that is strictly straight up content. And then nothing to do with we don't have anyone doing SEO or anything like that. It's straight up content. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's really, really important. I mean, there's a lot of value in this for your business. And if you don't have the money, you have to, to really, I mean, it's all about budgeting, right? Yeah. If, if you can't trade something and budget for it, because it really will help elevate your business. Yeah. And if you don't have a lot of money right now, try to do some of the things on your own while you have the chance. Uh, so that when you do have the money, you'll have this raw content available, these raw assets to work with, like, you know, right. videotape, uh, video your process your behind the scenes process or video you going to you know um a policy meeting or something if you're allowed whatever it is that you do take those chances those times like wait a minute i could be recording this or i could take a picture of this or i could write notes about this event so that you can use it later on when you meet this content your the content manager that you're going to have working for you or creator whatever it is the situation that you work out that is so helpful because then it's like, okay, well now I have all of this to work with so I can do a lot more right off the bat without having to sit there and go back mm -hmm. and forth with you. And, you know, so, um, I definitely recommend doing that in the meantime. 
So I think we've right. ranted enough about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's what not really think? ranting. I mean, this is, it's really important as, as a small business owner, content is really important. And, you know, I'm grateful to you for the services that you offer to me and we're not trying to, to sell you, no. but it's just that content is such a huge thing. And it's, really it's nice to be able to talk to you about it because this is what you do and just to get some pointers because I really didn't understand I thought snippets were better but now you're telling me snippets aren't better I need to do longer content yeah with the snippets <laughs> you, have to, you have to provide everything okay <laughs> I, know, I know yeah it's never ending so on that note, let's, <laughs> let's end on a positive note. Yay. So yes, these are yes. actionable items. And I think that, that we gave some, some good advice out, or maybe at least some advice. <laughs> maybe we can make people think. Uh, maybe hopefully. they'll turn on their little thinking cap. <laughs> hopefully. Um, so until next time, stay high and beautiful. And by that, we mean take the high road when you can and stay beautiful in spirit. Thanks for taking your time with us today. We appreciate it. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye, everyone. Our first guest today is Christina Garcia. Christina Garcia is the Chief Executive Officer at Women Grow. Raised in New Jersey, Christina is a graduate of Cook College at Rutgers University. Her life goal is to make a positive impact on the world in whatever form that takes. She owns and operates a pet sitting business and is particularly interested in therapeutic applications for cannabis and hemp in the veterinary community. This passion has led her to launch a new line of CBD pet treats. She also has begun consulting on various cannabis opportunities, utilizing her unique knowledge and skill set to help others achieve success. So, Kay, how did your career with Women Grow start? Uh, it was uh, back in 2009, I think it was. Um, I had been working for uh, Apple for maybe about eight or so years, and I was looking for a change, and I was moving out of New Jersey into Manhattan, um, and I had my resume up online, and I got a phone call one day from someone named Jasmine Hupp, and she's like, oh, come meet me in the city. Let's only talk to you about um, this other company that I uh, worked for, and at that point in time, it was a, a retail tech company called TechServe mm -hmm. uh, in Chelsea in Manhattan. And we met, and it was the first time I'd ever had conveyor belt sushi, and that was super exciting for me. <laughs> um, and uh, she told me about this job, and I was like, okay, you know, yeah, I can set up a web store and a website. That's easy, and I'll be my own department. I'll work for her. She's out on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. This is this is great. Um, and then I, I started in that in that role, and I noticed a lot of stuff going on around me. Um, really poor customer service, just a bad um, type of work environment, not really a good culture. And so I reached out to her and I reached out to um, the owner of the business. And I was like, listen, these are things that we can change and we can make this a better place. And they're like, okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got really my first department. And then I created some new revenue streams. Um, and that's how I actually got introduced not only to Jasmine, but also to cannabis for the first time, because I learned in becoming her, her friend and colleague that she would, uh, she was high all the time. And, was, <laughs> and, it, and it was really strange for me because it was this, this mentality um, growing up, you know, drugs are bad, pot's evil, all right. that kind of thing. And here I'm working with this super focused, 
intelligent person. Like we're brainstorming and stuff. And it's like, wow. And she's been high for like the past six hours. This I is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like we, we stayed in touch over the years. You know, I left that company was working in the startup game, a mm-hmm. um, couple of other places as well. And I sort of, uh, I was in the, in the corporate world at, at that point I was working uh, for Estee Lauder companies, doing a lot of consulting for them and technology implementations in, over uh, throughout North America. And I kind of, for, I guess it was a nervous breakdown. Um, I hated my job. I hated the people that I was working with. I was stressed out all the time. I was sleeping for like two hours a night because I had to like, I was leaving the office late and getting there early mm. and it, it was just terrible. Yeah. And I kind of just realized that it was completely within my power to change that. Um, and so I quit my job. I moved to London after having never been there before, wow. but I figured, hey, I speak the language, so it can't be that bad. Um, <laughs> went over there, and prior to, to heading overseas, Jasmine was like, hey, why don't you just come and start this other business with me? I'm doing stuff with, like, women. And I was like, nah, I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward, you know, I, I my exit uh, visa had expired and I, I had to come back to the States and she's like, okay, I'll, I'm, I'm still doing that thing with women. It's women and weave. And I was like, Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not doing anything else right now. And, uh, that was June of 2015. I came on board as the director of operations mm-hmm. and started, um, working to put together infrastructure and a, and a lot of foundational, um, stuff for women to grow. And uh, in July of 2015 is when I had my first joint. Wow. And that was that was the start of me with Women Grow. That's awesome. That's a really awesome story. <laughs> I really like that. Uh, what is your favorite aspect of your job, what you're doing now? You know, it, it's I, I said this at Summit, the highs are high and the lows are low. Mm-hmm. There's things that are really great about the job and there's things that are really not so great, um, you know. Trying to find funding or even just simply open up a bank account, yeah. that's not so great. It, it's, it's tons of work and, and lots of frustration and stress. But then what one of the best things I think about the job is that literally every single month, a bunch of ladies get together and some, you know, forward thinking men as well. And we all get to talk about what those stresses and frustrations are and talk about the successes that other people are experiencing too. And that sort of commiseration time mm-hmm. is really important because when you don't have that, when you're, you know, we, the entire women grow team is remote. So we all work out of our homes. Mm-hmm. We don't have an office that we get to go to and like hang around the water cooler and talk with our friends. So at times it can feel very siloed and you can feel very alone. when you are going through a lot of these frustrating experiences mm-hmm. But when you get to stand in the same room with people who maybe you've never met them before, but you have this common bond mm-hmm. that it just, it feels really nice. Yeah. It's like an electric charge almost, right? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's very tough to work remotely, but I think like that this industry offers that extra jolt of energy when you're in that, in that, you know, environment with other people that you don't really get anywhere mm-hmm. else, I think. Um, it's a very friendly space. Yeah, yeah, for the most part, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Majority speaking. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what challenges do you face in this industry specifically? I know you just touched on a couple of things, but like as yeah, so someone in this the, the banking, yeah, banking, funding, money. Um, I think 
in any space that can be challenging for for women mm-hmm. um i think a lot of a lot of eyes are on this space right now um but specifically funding and banking is extra difficult mm-hmm. because of the the federal illegality of what um what we're what we're focusing on in this space um women you know having a tech background i would watch women pitch and and those experiences were ex- exceedingly far and few between um, but women pitch their product differently and they pitch their ideas and they pitch themselves differently, if at all. Mm-hmm. And when you've got so many people looking at the space and thinking that, oh my gosh, I'm going to make billions and I have to get in now, like you might be that unicorn and you might make a ton of money in the cannabis space, but for the next many years, it's going to be a slog and it's going to be really difficult and really, really hard. And you need support and you need money to get started and to maintain yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what Women Grow is trying to do, and we talk about the next, you know, finding and training the next generation of leaders, is that we want to find people that have uh, developed skills in other industries, and now they're coming into this space, and maybe they do have money. And so let's introduce them to people that don't have the money but have really good ideas. Um, let's establish the mentorship between women. Let's establish you know, more female-founded businesses getting money from female VCs, all that type of thing. Uh, but the the money the money thing is huge, and I also think a lot of people were looking at cannabis early on as the sort of like this women's industry mm-hmm. because there are more women here than there were in others, mm-hmm. and we've seen that number decline. Yeah. And you know, I I try and take some of those numbers with a grain of salt because. You know, we were we were female heavy, but now we're seeing a lot of people coming in from other industries. Other industries are not female heavy, so right. I, I could see how those numbers could start to change. That's why I think it's even more important that organizations like Women Grow, and, and there's other organizations too, mm-hmm. focus on making sure that women have access, um, that people of color have access, um, and that and part of that access is getting that money and that funding. Yeah, absolutely, and mentorship is so important. Uh... Yeah. Right now, I think. Um, in what ways do you apply past professional and personal experience to a career in the cannabis space? I have a very eclectic background, mm-hmm. so I can pull from a little bit of everything. Um, you know, spending so much time in, uh, you know, helping create Apple retail and and, re- and spending time in retail technology stores and really crafting uh, that customer support and that customer experience. That is invaluable when you're looking at launching new businesses or helping other people launch them. You want to make sure that the, the, that feeling of empathy and that feeling of, of uh, touching the consumer in all of our businesses, that has to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So, so let's take all of this stuff that I learned about culture from Apple and from other, you know, both positive and negative experiences and, and try and craft that. Um, I think, you know, having been in the startup scene and feeling personally the brunt of a lot of um anger from male colleagues that has really kind of formed me into the person I am today and one you can have you develop a bit of a thick skin you can take a lot of bullshit from people mm-hmm. the other thing is that you can then tell those experiences and say listen this might happen to you and yeah you might just brush it off but you should also recognize that that never should have happened in the first place Right. Um, Learning what not and to do. So, <laughs> exactly. Um, I also I worked on a cattle farm for a year, and I raised wow. grass-fed beef and sheep and chickens. 
Um, and I've always had a real passion for animals and the environment and anything to do with food and like sustainable living and all that kind of thing. Um, so when I talk to cultivators, um, I'm listening to how they're growing their plants and what sort of practices they implement. I actually, uh, so I, I have my own pet setting business and I'm going to be starting a, a new line of CBD infused pet products. That's awesome. Out for non-GMO, pesticide-free. You can't be regulated as USDA organic yet, but as close to organic practices as possible for hemp production. Wow. And I wanted an organic ethanol extraction process. Nice. Now, I know some people that are applying that type of model to cannabis. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, but I, but I know a couple. Mm-hmm. I put this ask out there for hemp, and I was just met with a lot of like dead air. Yeah. And I was, wow, like this is amazing. And then I finally actually spoke with a woman just yesterday, actually, who is doing this up in Maine. And she's partnered with um, the state's organic certification program. And she's looking at USDA certification. And I'm like, everything you're doing is exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. And understanding, you know, not necessarily everything about an extraction process or a cultivation process, but knowing enough and drawing on some of like my past life. And, you know, in farming and knowing that even though I worked on a farm, it wasn't certified organic, but we had organic practices. So I, I know the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's been really helpful. Wow. I think also just having a balance of both desk jobs and office work mm-hmm. um, where you kind of like you just develop that translucent glow to your skin from the light. Yeah. But then also being able to go outside and, and feel the you know, the dirt in your hand, or I, I was a mailman for a year too. Wow. Um, and just, <laughs> yeah, and just like being outside and, and listening to people. And I think this also goes into a, a bit of my philosophy on perspective. Um, a lot of people talk about diversity and inclusion right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is absolutely a topic to be discussed. Um, but I fundamentally, I just feel like if you are, uh, if you're going to be the best person that you can be, mm-hmm. if you're going to be the best business person that you can be, mm-hmm. you want to have an understanding or an empathy for as many different perspectives as you can. Right. Um, mm-hmm. One of the women that I work with, our Women Grows Executive Vice President, Gia Marone, her and I have been working really closely over the past year. Mm-hmm. And as uh, a woman with uh, a Latin and a Black background, she's opened my eyes to a lot of crazy things that I just... I, I couldn't even fathom. Right. And now we have conversations and, and sometimes it's, it's silly stuff. I had to text her at one point and I was like, is there a black birthday song? And she was like, yes. And I was like, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> but so, so like stuff like that, that's silly. But then there's also real conversations where I, I was talking to her last week about like the new Jim Crow and like what that means. Mm-hmm. And for me growing up, I don't remember ever learning about any of that stuff. Absolutely not. And so I can only, so I can only get it, you know, like later on. But it's also, and to the earlier point about mentorship, finding someone that you can trust and have those kinds of, most let's say, awkward and uncomfortable conversations yeah. or topics, but talk about them truthfully and just be like, yeah, this is something that I experienced or that I had to deal with, and you've never even like heard of that. And it's like, wow, yeah. That's, crazy it helps us Um, stay in our lane better too you know what i mean like it's it's so we're not so tone deaf and in our messages and everything i think that it helps like exactly what you're saying to have someone 
who has another perspective that you can't even fathom, you know, because yeah. you just can't. There's no way you can ever do it, no matter how many conversations you have. But at nope. least you can get an idea a little bit of what what's going yeah. on. Yeah, and it's like attempt to make to like to try and understand, you know. And and some, you know, I'm sure that there's stuff that I don't get, or like it, I like you know, I hear about it or I talk about it. And it's like I I'll never kind of fully understand that. I was talking to a, a friend of ours. And he was explaining how when he's walking down the street, he, he's a black man, um, he's walking down the street, and if he sees a white woman walking on the same side of the street, he'll cross the street. Mm-hmm. Just because he knows that his presence makes her uncomfortable. Yeah. And I'm like, the fact that you have to even think about that mm-hmm. is bananas to me. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. But that's, you know, yeah. But then hearing that experience, it's like, okay, let me think about that the next time I make any you know decision or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting off the point here, but I had this crazy conversation with G. I, I went totally bonkers. I got really upset because of um, so autonomous driving is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there was just recently, I guess uh, as recently as a couple of days ago, which is strange, um, an accident where a woman was killed by a self-driving car. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh my gosh, you know, unsafe, or like maybe the woman did something stupid. None, like all of those conversations can happen. But I think about the soap dispenser. Mm-hmm. There was a thing um, a while back, and I don't know if you, you had gotten to see it, but I put his hand under the soap dispenser, and he got no soap. And then a white man put his hand under the soap dispenser, and he got soap. And it was because the person that designed the soap dispenser didn't account for different skin tones. And, you know, like you're talking about like simple, you know, simple yet complicated, but stuff like, you know, refraction of light and things like that. And how can you determine that there's some, that there's a presence under the thing? So you're, you're changing the color and, and all that kind of stuff. But that's something you're like, oh, it's just a soap dispenser. Yeah. But then, you know, right next door, you've got that self-driving car. And so what do those sensors on the car look like? Do they account for people of color in the same way that they would account for a white person? Yeah. And so that, that, you know, that's the rabbit hole that I fall into. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, if you have people of different backgrounds and different like perspectives on your team, someone on that team is going to raise their hand and say, I didn't get any soap. We need to change this. Yeah. Or at least it should be that way, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the case across the board, but hopefully this industry can right. change that, you know? And I think the work you're doing definitely... Um, it's going to help with that. And what, so speaking of that, uh, what can people expect from Women Grow in the future? Oh, my goodness, so much. So um, in February, we hold our, our annual leadership summit. And we, so we just had ours, you know, a, a little bit ago, mm-hmm. um, held it in Denver. And at that uh, annual summit, we made the announcement, you know, Gia, our, who was at that point in time our director of communications, she's taken on this new title, new responsibility of executive VP. We also brought Dr. Shonda Macias in as chairwoman of the Women Grow Board. Mm-hmm. Um, and that position was previously held by Jane West, who founded Women Grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jane remains on the board, as does Jasmine and myself. But now we also have added Shonda's expertise and put her in this leadership position on the board because she really wants to have a hands-on approach and really help women grow. You know, we've we've had our PR issues in the past and there have been some things that were beyond PR issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I came in as CEO and, and G and I were partnering together, we saw a lot of that stuff that some of it we were not even aware of, mm-hmm. and, but we knew that we had to make significant changes. I think with Shonda's help, we're, we're making even more. 
Um, we're reviewing the market leader program that we have, making sure that that is a, a program that can sustain itself. We're looking again, you know, people of women were a for-profit company. And I think to a certain extent, I've always maintained the idea that women should be allowed to make money in a for-profit organization. It shouldn't be that just because it's a women-focused organization, it needs to be a nonprofit. Right. Um, at the same time, I think there's also a lot of initiatives that we want to undertake that it will really benefit us to do them as a nonprofit. So I think you'll see a nonprofit arm of going to grow in the very near future. Um, I know that we have a lot, you know, as women, there are issues that affect us the way that issues don't affect, uh, you know, humans as a whole. Right. Um, so things like healthcare, um, research into conditions that affect both men and women, but women's research into those issues is a lot more limited if it happens at all. Um, and that's something that we want to, we want to change. We want to see um, access to childcare and to medications for children um, be made more readily available to women. Mm-hmm. You know, Shonda herself has had to take her children off of school property because it's a, you know, it has to be the drug-free zone yes. um, to administer medication. And it's like, you know what? A kid should be able to go to the nurse's office just like the, next, the kid next to him is getting Adderall. Yeah, we should and stop get whatever it a medication drug. they need. Yeah, sorry. Like, I get yeah. so angry with that. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's so, ugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope, and and those, those are things that like, are, are very emotional. Mm-hmm. And th- those are fights that we need, that we need to take. Absolutely. Um, so, so we'll definitely be, be stepping more into that game. And also, I think I've changed my thinking a bit about Women Grow in that. Back in 2015, people were saying, like, oh, are you an advocacy organization? I'm like, no, we're, we're networking. We're for business. Right. And, I was, and, and we don't need to do advocacy because there's plenty of other people that do it. Mm-hmm. And I've really shifted my stance on that because <laughs> going back to this, like, traveling the world to find a bank that would give me a bank account, you can't have a business in this space without being an advocate for it. Right. So I think that's that's a change that you'll see with Women Grow. We, we used to do lobby days. I think we're going to get back into that again. I actually have some meetings um, next week um, with New Jersey legislators to, to talk about what's happening in my home state. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you'll you'll see more action from Women Grow on the Hill and and in other uh, more um, higher visibility positions, mm-hmm. just because. It, we want to advocate for not only for ourselves, but also for our members and our, and our community. And that means we got to get out there and do some talking. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, do you have any advice for women entrepreneurs getting started in the industry? I used to say, if you want to get into the industry, make a pile of money and light it on fire and then get into the industry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think to, to a certain extent, it still applies. Um, I, I think women are uniquely suited for the space. Mm-hmm. We tend to be more cautious and we tend to think a lot about planning and organizing where that gets in the way is when you don't actually take the next step and, and act. Mm-hmm. And women that want to get involved, you don't have to touch the plan. You could do something else. You could have an accounting firm. You could be a lawyer. You could be in security. You could be in fulfillment and logistics. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of different um, opportunities for women and ones that can be tailored specifically to your individual skill set. Mm-hmm. I would say, obviously, find a women grow near you. Um, <laughs> similar in nature that are interested or experts in the space. Talk to them. 
see who you connect with. Uh, some of the things that we hear about women growing them are consistently, I found my partner or I found my next employee or I had this great idea and I found my account. Everybody finds each other at these, at these events and, and that's fantastic. That's great. And I, and I want that to continue. I also want women to stop sitting on the sidelines and letting, you know, all of these things just kind of pass them by. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I don't remember the exact quote, but Michelle Obama was talking about, um, you know, if you don't have your seat at the table, someone else is going to take it. Mm-hmm. And my one of my favorite things is from our, our market leader out in Phoenix, Marvina Thomas. She's like, a closed mouth, don't get fed. And I'm like, you know what? You are so right. If you don't sit down at that table, if you don't speak, someone else will take that seat and speak for themselves. They're not going to speak for you. Yeah. So you just take action is, is what I would say. Awesome. Um and do you have a specific call to action or anything to promote? I know you said you just talked about a lot of things that are going on with women yeah. grow, but is there a way for people to get involved more immediately? Is there anything like that you have coming up soon that you'd like to talk about? Yeah. So um, first Thursdays every month is when we have our signature networking events. Um, some of our markets also occasionally have events later on in the month um, or additional events. I, I can tell you. Um, tomorrow evening in New York City, um, there is a film screening of um, the film that uh, Wendy Borman put together, and the New York market is screening that in, in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. On Friday, um, out in Gold Country in California, Sarah Grew, the market leader there, she's having that a film screening on the West Coast. Um, we've got National Cannabis Festival coming up in April, mm-hmm. and you will see a, a strong women grow presence there as well. Um, but yeah, I, you know, go to womengrow.com, sign up for the newsletter. You'll get access to all the things that we're putting on both at headquarters level. We're going to be doing some more regional events um, mm-hmm. with some various partners. Um, plus, you can always be informed as to when our next signature networking event is. Mm-hmm. And then also just, you know, me personally, look out for a new line of CBD pet products coming wait. soon. I, I know I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm super excited about it myself. So. I am, yeah. I can't wait to feed my fur babies those because that's there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kay, for spending your time with us today. I really appreciate you taking the time and and allowing us to just hear a bit about your journey. This was fun. Thanks, Anna. Our next guest is Anne Shook, founder and CEO of Urbana. Anne Shook is an advocate, inventor, and entrepreneur. As a graduate of Parsons School of Design, aesthetics has always been extremely important to her as she strives to make life's varied experiences beautiful ones. This combination of freedom and organization primed her to develop her line of Urbana carry bags and cases. Anne, what inspired the creation of Urbana? And am I pronouncing that correctly? I should have asked you that first. Yes, (laughs) you are pronouncing Urbana correctly. And Urbana... Oh, Urbana, um, I'm going to segue for a second. It's it's Herb Ann. That's yeah. all it is in Italian. I'm Ann, it's Herb, it's Urba Anna, and that's how it came about. It was I was in a hurry to get a name. <laughs> and and I wanted it to sound feminine because it's a feminine it. product. So. I'm Italian, so I'm biased. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, yay. <laughs> um, so then it was really a need. It was a need. I'm, I'm a practical person. A friend brought me a horrible case um a horrible case because she knew I like to keep everything together and and I was out with a bunch of friends and they actually got jealous of my ugly case and I thought wow there's a opportunity <laughs> there's right? an opportunity right um all these women want what I have and it's horrible 
and I started to think that there must be something better. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I looked, and I looked online, and it was right at the point that uh, Colorado had become legal. Mm-hmm. So since I couldn't find anything on the Internet, I thought, well, hey, maybe if I fly to Colorado and just kind of go door to door in their shops there, I'll find something unique. And I didn't find anything. So I decided that I wanted something really nice, smell proof, so I could throw it in my bag, keep my stuff together, and I'm going to make it. Mm-hmm. So I found some friends who had, you know, done this type of stuff before. A friend of mine had a factory. He was a shoe and bag designer. And I was like, is this hard to do? And he convinced me it wasn't, even though it wasn't so easy. <laughs> and I just, you know, I just, I just plunged. I just did it. The wow. timing was right. I was interested. I'm a designer myself. So I was like, yeah, I want to do this. And that's, that's awesome. kind of how it came about. Yeah, that's really cool. And what is your favorite Urbana product and why? Yeah, I don't. It's funny when people ask me this question, because it sounds really self-serving when I say all of them. Yeah. But the reason it's the reason it's all of them is because each one that I've put out, each shape that I put out, I put out because I consume (laughs) in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. Right. I have a pipe. I have a dugout. I have a vape. Sometimes I do pre-roll. You know, whatever I'm doing or whatever, wherever I'm going, what size bag I have, what mm-hmm. occasion, you know what I mean? Um, I would I would make a bag. I'd be like, you know, we really need a smaller bag that, you know, fill in the blanks. So every time I get a bag, I test it and then I fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. And if I don't fall in love with it, it doesn't make the line. Well, that's so great. I really, <laughs> that's, you know what that's I mean? good so for consumers. I, really, I test everything in it. And so I do love all my bags because they all suit different needs. Yeah. And and then we get feedback and everybody, you know, gives me their feedback on what their favorite features are. And then I start to think about that and think, oh, well, you know, maybe we should have this then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my whole, you should see my, I have so many bags now. <laughs> but, but yeah, I would say, you know, depending on the need, it's just all of them. I'm sorry. That's like a horrible answer. but No, it's, it's great. True. It's great. I mean, at least, at least people know that you're putting out what you would want for yourself and you're not just right. creating just right. to create. Um, so can you tell us more about your options for involvement with Urbana? Um, I know on your site you have something about becoming a blogger, influencer, or affiliate. So um, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, and we, we have all of them now, and I love it all. The influencers, when we when we pick an influencer, you know, they have to have a certain number of followers on Instagram, and some of them reach out to us directly. Sometimes we reach out to them. Um, we kind of give them the bag of their choice. We ask them to share a unique photo um, showcasing how they stash their cannabis, mm-hmm. and, and then we'll also um, run giveaways with them. So, like, if they have big followers, and we'll do, like, a giveaway for their followers. So that's how the influencer one works. The affiliates, same thing. If you have whatever you, you know, if you're on Instagram or you have followers, we'll give you a coupon for your followers. So what happens is that coupon, when they come to our site and use it, tracks um, that it came from them. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. the affiliate will get a percentage of that sale. So we have that all, you know, set up. And then... The bloggers, um, you know, it's uh, what happens is people usually contact me, say, hey, you know, I want to blog on your page. I'm like, okay, what have you written? Where has it been published? Let me have a sample of your work. What topics are you thinking about? Because I always want the topics to be, you know, relevant. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. If, and if I like it and accept it, then they write 
for me. I, you know, if I'm going to publish it, I'll edit, edit it. And then we cross promote by, you know, we'll publish it, put a blurb about that author at the bottom, say, yeah, this is a guest author and you can find them and other articles at and kind of cross promote a link. And then on their site, they cross promote the link back so that we're both right supporting, supporting each other. And that's how, yeah, that's pretty much how they they work it's 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 easy and 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 all of this comes into me so if you sign up on the website it literally like i track that stuff it goes right to me okay so that's great yeah yeah um in what ways do you find this industry to be challenging oh this industry is challenging um you know every every industry is going to be challenging if you're a startup right there's Mm -hmm. a lot of day-to-day things but in in this particular in my particular job, you know, my particular brand, because I'm for women and I'm a product for women that I pretty much pioneered, mm-hmm. um, our, my challenges from the beginning was convincing store owners that they, one, had a female audience and two, had no products to offer them. Wow. <laughs> and, and they really, a lot of them were male owners. A lot of them had their set you know, guys who came in for whatever they came in for. And my challenge was convincing them to try my product in their stores and see if they have sales. And and what's happening is I'm getting, you know, repeat orders on the ones who are doing it because they're finding out, you know, yes, I have this audience and I really don't have a lot to offer them. So, yeah, my challenge was just to get it on the shelf, you know. Mm -hmm. And now that it is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a happy camper, but I would like to convince more people to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who want to break into this space, like women entrepreneurs specifically? Well, I think I think with any new industry, this is exciting new industry, right? So mm-hmm. if you're if you're a cannabis user, or you're just excited about the industry itself because you see it's you know really booming, you know, and you want to jump in, it's always still no matter what, it's about your passion. Mm-hmm. So you have to take, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're passionate about a product, like I'm a designer, I was a smoker, I had a need, I got excited about it, right? So mm-hmm. here was a perfect launching opportunity. So what I find in this industry, like I've met PR people and graphics people and all these people who have these things that they love to do, and they just have to translate it to mm-hmm. the industry. I would say for nuances, don't start something you don't know or you, uh, you're not good at. Right. Stay with what you know, what you're passionate about, and find where you can translate that into the industry. Because this industry right now is still pretty new. And they are still looking for people who have taken whatever jobs they have and can translate it into the industry because there are different regulations in the cannabis industry. Like even in marketing itself, like we can't sell on Facebook. We can't, even though I'm not touching product, right. I can't say certain things. I can't track with certain programs because I have cannabis, you know, in mm-hmm. my blog, you mm-hmm. know, written too many times. So, so learn the ins and outs of the industry for what you're doing mm-hmm. and then do that. You know what I mean? I think right. that that would be the, best advice to do you know just take your passion and and understand how it fits into the industry absolutely pretty much (laughs) do you have anything to promote or any calls action anything specific coming up with urbana and it 
anything to promote. Well, we always want to say, quiet, you're loud. That's our, that's our, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we say that when we're at shows because, uh, you know, quiet, you're loud, like be discreet. And yeah, come to my website, buy your bonnet bags. We have all new bags all the time. We have, um, every time we finish out with a material, we bring a new material in on the shape. So there's always something new. In April, we have 14 new bags coming in. Wow. As the other ones sell out, they'll be gone. So I'm like, my focus in this industry is bringing fashion to the cannabis industry, right? They don't understand it. They don't get it. They don't realize that women like to see something new all the time. I don't want to be like, hey, Urbana bags, they're the red ones, you know? Right. Um, so, so my call to action is just keep checking the site. Check us out. We're always changing. If there's not something for you now, there will be. <laughs> and um, that's really it. That's really it. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom. And I definitely recommend people check out these bags because they're gorgeous. Thanks for listening to Your Highest Podcast, brought to you by Cannabis Women's Alliance and Good Vibes Marketing Agency. The Cannabis Women's Alliance was founded to bring community, guidance, and inspiration to women working in the cannabis industry. Good Vibes Marketing Agency is a digital marketing agency that creates organic content for organic solutions. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, email us at yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to inquire about sponsorship opportunities, you can email us at yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com.